Good morning, Northview family. Uh, before we start worship this morning, I'm sure that by now all of us have seen or at least heard about the awful tragedy that took place in Minneapolis with the death of George Floyd. What makes this event completely disturbing and outrageous is that the officer proceeded to keep his knee on the neck of Mr. Floyd despite knowing the fact that people were filming the incident and that several had asked him to stop and others pleaded with him to get off Mr. Floyd and actually get some help, which didn't happen until it was too late and unfortunately cost Mr. Floyd his life. And again, in an instant, the ugly scab of racism once again reared its ugly head. The unvarnished truth, it has never really left us. Of course, this isn't an isolated incident. If this incident proved anything, it's that racism is still systemic in America today. We thought it was gone, but it's not. Mr. Floyd is just the latest in a long list of those who have suffered unjustly. See if you recognize these names. Dante Hamilton, John Crawford, Michael Brown, S.L. Ford, Dontre Parker, Tamika Anderson, Akai Gurley, Tamir Rice, Freddie Gray, Trevon Martin. And those are only known because we live in the digital age. There are many, many more who aren't known because their murders happened before the era of smartphones. Many of you would remember Rodney King. That was 25 years ago. I was alive when Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated. That was 52 years ago. The point is this. The human heart doesn't get any better with time unless the amazing and redemptive work of the Holy Spirit changes that heart. And with that in mind, a lot of us are wondering, what can I do? What's my response? Let me give several really beginning steps uh, that we can take as a church family. Number one, I've encouraged and challenged us as a church to pray together. If you didn't have a reason or the motivation to do so before, if you were saying, gosh, what should we pray about? Now would be a great time to seek Jesus' help for the sake of our country. And also, might I add, for the sake of these families 
who find themselves in deep mourning and grief. Uh, they've lost a husband, a father, an uncle, a brother, uh, a niece, an aunt, a mom. Their lives will never be the same. Number two, real important time to examine your own heart. Your heart, my heart. Uh, God has warned us to get rid of anger. God says in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder. Jesus added to that by saying that if you're angry with your brother, you're liable for the judgment. In other words, we can't let that fester on the inside. It's going to squirt out. We can, we can do something about that. We can ask God to examine our own heart and clear out any anger or hatred that we might have for other people. It starts by letting God start with you and with me. We can control at least that much. And let's let God start there. Number three, let's pray for justice. Not all police officers are bad. I want to lay that flat out. Many of them are good and they've earned, they've served well and, and honorably. But some have not. And they have betrayed the trust that they were supposed to uphold. And if not dealt with justly, and I might add swiftly, the rift will only grow wider and deeper. Pray for those involved who are the leaders in these situations to have the wisdom to do the right thing, the right way, in the right time, but that justice would be served and people would recognize right has been done. Number four, reach out. If you know people of color, call, email, dialogue. Ask them how it looks from their side of the fence right now. And, and ask them how you can support them. How can you come alongside? What can we do? And number five, I think this is an important one, to quote Dr. Martin Luther King, don't return violence for violence. It only leads to worse violence. To quote Jesus, love your enemies and do good to those who persecute you. God says, let's leave room for him to take vengeance. Don't take vengeance ourselves. Um, as we are talking, we, we are taping here. This is, it's Wednesday night uh, as we're taping. And uh, the Mill Creek pastors have been dialoguing and have actually been planning a gathering for this Sunday, uh, June 7th, in a park in Linwood that is yet to be determined. Um, and, and at this point, we've been checking with the Linwood Police Department to find out if it would be okay to do that. And uh, you'll have to check on the website as I'm unable at this moment to give you details for the event right now but we will have them on the website and we'll put them up as soon as we know those details. To many, my response will seem to have been slow, and I apologize for that. Uh, we are out of, out of sync um, with filming, and it's not like Sunday morning where I can just walk up and say, hey, we've got to put some of these things aside right now. We've got to talk. And so I, I apologize for that. I, I personally have been wrestling and thinking, trying to grapple with, like you, I'm sure, with all that has happened, but also as your pastor, what's, what would be best and most helpful, the most helpful way to respond? And so continue to pray with me, for me in that. May Jesus give us a wisdom and discernment appropriate for the times that we live in. May he comfort the hearts of those who have been so deeply wounded. And may he help those who are in a position to do so that, to bring about real change in the places that it has to happen. And to that, I say this morning, amen. Thank you. We'll uh, turn it over to Esther and the worship team. Would you stand and worship with us? Thanks.
focus on that this morning so begin to prepare our hearts to focus on you and your goodness and your faithfulness tune us towards you interact with us spirit we ask and pray in the name of your son jesus everybody at home joins us in saying amen good morning northview and welcome back we're glad to have you again and for again all our friends out visiting in different states and different neighborhoods. Thank you for taking your time. We're humbled and honored that you would join us. And we pray today that it will be a blessing to your family and to uh, your journey with the Lord Jesus. So uh, a couple introductions before we get going. Uh, you've probably heard, uh, but we want to announce the passing of our beloved Nell Shaleen. Uh, the details regarding his service will be made available. Uh, Nell's came to Christ at 70 years old. And he was an absolute treasure to many, especially his family, his neighbors, his AA posse, and us here at Northview as well. Uh, today, also, you can tell I'm wearing a tie. So uh, it's Communion Sunday, and we want to alert you to get the elements ready before the end of the service so that uh, we can share in that together. So let's begin in prayer, and then we'll start the service. Father, thank you for how you have walked with us and how we have sensed you uh, taking care of us through this whole COVID-19 outbreak. And we seek you this morning as we are looking at your goodness, which is something that many question today. We ask that you will validate your own scripture, your own words, and speak truth to us. Uh, and whatever ways, shapes, or forms you feel uh, you need to do with your sons and daughters, and we expect, Lord, that you will be kind to us, and we pray for this in your name. Amen. All right, so last week we countered the lie that God is not all-powerful. The scripture is very clear that God is sovereign and all-powerful, and David in the Psalms is resplendent with his praise of God for this. Look at Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. And then it says to pause, think about that. And we've looked at that. We've thought this through. We saw last week that one of God's titles is Almighty God. And the name we run into this morning is Lord of Hosts. Same idea. It means that God is positionally higher than anything or anyone on earth or in heaven. Higher than the divine council. Higher than the 24 elders that we find in the book of Revelation. Higher than the cherubim and seraphim. Higher than all the angels put together. And also, it must be pointed out, higher than Satan and all the fallen angels. <clears throat> that his throne and his kingdom resound with glory. And his rule extends over earth as well. He is the self-existent one. Psalm 47 says, Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared. A great king over the earth. And so he is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is to be deeply honored and respected. He is worthy of our uh, respect and honor and praise. And his presence should, in the life of a believer, in the life of his children, produce joy. Psalm 145 says, I will extol you. That means I will just bless you and lift your name up. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. The all-time classic definition of what we just read is found in Isaiah 
in chapter 55 where it says this. How different is God from us? How higher is he than us? He says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Psalm 145 goes on to say, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. So he's talking here about God's abundant goodness. So the Psalms clearly declare that God is all-powerful. But what do they say about the second half of the equation? Do you remember from last week when we were working with the problem of pain and how the equation went? It went something like this. Either God is all good, but not all powerful, i.e. he wants to do something to fix it, but he can't, or God is all powerful, but not all good. Therefore, he won't fix it, even though he could. And so bringing them together, two lies that have to be dealt with are, number one, God is not all-powerful, and then number two, God is not all-good. And so we saw last week, and then in the beginning of this week, how the Psalms declare God to be all-powerful. What then do the Psalms have to say about God being all-good? Well, this last psalm ushers us into that idea and ties these two ideas together that God's power is connected to and harnessed by his goodness. Remember what it says? It says, they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. That's that's his power, and I will declare your greatness again, his power. And then it says this, they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. So grab your Bibles and let's take a quick stroll through the Psalms to see what it says about God's goodness. Let's pray again um, before we head into this. Uh, Almighty God, your goodness is under intense attack today. Many are finding great fault with you, have implicated you and uh, put you on trial and found you wanting in the scales and... uh, critical of how you rule the universe and it's understandable lord in a world as fallen as ours that uh blame could be sent that way but god we're also very aware of what your word says and that um, from our vantage point perspective we can't see the whole tapestry we can't see the whole picture and so we look to your word this morning to help inform us of the proper mindset we should have towards you and we pray for your spirit to illuminate to Uh, reveal to light up sections of scripture that um, will speak to us in our own personal walks right now you know where we are with the pandemic and COVID-19 and you know the different pressures all of us are under and Lord speak into that and uh, we ask for your help in your name amen so let's begin with the accusation that I mentioned in my prayer that is really rampant today God may be all-powerful. Uh, many people would consent that. The word God means that, right? Uh, but they would not concede uh, that he's all good. Matter of fact, they'd say he's not all good. Our culture is incredibly mistrusting of any authority. I think you are well aware of that. But especially those who wield power. The old saying uh, that's thrown out is power corrupts and ultimate power corrupts ultimately. And if that's true, that's no more true than of God, they would say. But that idea goes far beyond uh, today. He's not only is he not good, but he's, today what we're, they're saying is he's actually wrong. He's actually bad. He's actually evil. And he must be gotten rid of. This is popularized by uh, books like uh, the author Richard Dawkins in his book, the God Delusion, and also Christopher Hitchens' book, God is Not Good. The subtitle is How Religion Poisons Everything. We also see this philosophy being spread uh, in the movies. 
uh, Marvel, many of us have watched the Marvel movies, has kind of made a specialty out of creating flawed, godlike characters who not only aren't good, but must be resisted and overthrown. Two of the best, if you've watched the movies, are Ultron and Thanos. Right? Both are seen as self-deceived power brokers who must be resisted and overthrown at all costs. By the way, just a FYI, Hollywood always broadcasts what's coming next. And Hollywood is over-amping on end-time scenarios. Marvel has already set in motion uh, an explanation for the rapture and the disappearance of the church. But the particular attack is always against God, especially against his goodness. He may be a God, but he's not good. And you certainly can't trust him. Nor would you really want to even be around him. Uh, When you think of these characters, no one wants a hug from Ultron or Thanos. But contrary to this messaging, the scriptures declare that God is not only all-powerful, but that he's also all-good. Open your Bibles and let's take a look at the all-time classic that comes right out of the Psalms. It's found in Psalms 34, verses 8 through 10, and it says this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Those phrases, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, and I personally say amen to this. This has been my and many of the rest of us personal testimony of how God has been towards us. And we saw in Psalm 2 that it ended with the admonition, blessed are all those who take refuge in him. That was in regards to his power. That admonition had to do with those who submitted and came under his rule, his his authority, as I said, his power. We now see the same admonition again in a different context. The context this time is not God's power, but rather his goodness. Again, context is everything. The instant heart reaction, if you've gone through really difficult, traumatic experiences, is, um, well, that's not totally true. I've gone through a lot of really hard stuff since I've known the Lord. Not all of it seems good to me. And it's with that objection and setting in mind that this psalm becomes fascinating because It's not in a setting where everything has gone well for David. As a matter of fact, things have gone very badly. David has lost his position in the kingdom. He's gone from leader and son-in-law to the king to outcast, rebel, a wanted man, dead or alive. The pressure is actually so acute that he goes over into the Philistine territory, who are the hated enemies of Israel, and there he seeks asylum from King Achish. But his position there is every bit as tenuous as it was in the land of Israel. His life is in as much danger from Achish as it was from Saul. Uh, to such an extent that David actually has to act fain being a madman. We would use the term today uh, more like a mentally ill person, right? Uh, You can read the description in 1 Samuel 21. He's drooling in his beard. He's clawing in the wood uh, and acting like someone who's completely incompetent. And the act is so bizarre that Achish rails against his own people for bringing a madman like this to him, and he lets David go. Think how low David has gone since the hero-killing days of Goliath. It's all gone backwards for him. And yet out of this comes one of the most grateful psalms in the book of Psalms. Listen to David's words and heart towards the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Any of you remember Chuck Smith and Maranatha music? Know that? by a song, right? David is saying, notice how good the Lord has been to me. In our language, man, is he awesome or what? K 
can't believe he got me out of that one. Praise his name, right? Then he, David, goes on to describe the experience. Look what he says. I, in the midst of this, I sought the Lord and he, he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and deliver them. It's out of this trying experience where David literally feared for his life as an outcast fleeing persecution from Saul, barely escaping his enemies and and coming out the other side, that David praises Yahweh for delivering him from all his fears. In the trial, David has earnestly sought Yahweh and Yahweh had answered. Matter of fact, it says the angel of the Lord had encamped around him. We saw that phrase used in Psalm 2, right? We know who that is. David says that when God answers prayers like this, the people who receive the answer have radiant faces. And by the way, this is one of my prayers for Northview, that we would experience the Lord and have radiant countenances. This is one of my favorite images that comes out of the Bible, that he would make our faces shine. Uh, It's called the Shekinah glory. Remember when Moses came down from the mountain and his face shone with the Shekinah glory of God? And do you remember the ironic blessing that we covered before earlier in this series? It goes like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so they shall put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. And the idea there is as they are blessed, they will shine, they will radiate. The Lord should make a difference in the way our faces, our countenance look. And out of this experience and this description comes the admonition that we started with. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. One of the reasons we run to the Lord is not just because he's all-powerful, but we run to him because he's all-good. We take refuge in him because of his goodness. It's a safe place because he's good. And David adds to this, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears, and he delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. The promise here is that God hears our prayers and answers them. Psalm 46, 1 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble, such as today. And that he is near to the brokenhearted and saves and it's a particularly apt description, the crushed in spirit. I don't know if you've uh, ever been crushed in spirit. I know a number of people in our uh, church family here have been through experiences that could aptly be described as that. But really what you have to understand is that this is an autobiographical comment from David. David knew what it was like to be crushed in spirit. Just listen to this list. He had lost his position But more than that, he was the commanding general of Israel's armies. But more than that, he'd also lost his wife. Remember, Mikkel got pulled from him, and he lost his wife. He lost his honor. He lost his reputation. He lost his home. He lost his income. He lost his security. I mean, he got stripped. David knew what it was like to suffer severe loss. And I just want to say this morning that if you are crushed in spirit, God wants to be close to you. And if God wants to be close, if if he's leaning in towards us, then we should lean in towards him. Really, one of the great secrets to life is that when you go through pain or, or evil or suffering or crushing circumstances, the admonition from Scripture is to lean in towards God, not lean away from him. And David knew this. His only option in all of this was to trust in the goodness of God. And so he succinctly writes, many are the afflictions of the righteous. In other words, everything doesn't go hunky-dory for people who know the Lord and who walk with them. There's lots of afflictions and tribulations. But the Lord delivers them 
out of them all. And how do I know that it's the Lord's goodness here that David is relying on? Look what he says in Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. In other words, David's saying, you are my goodness. And apart from you, I really have nothing. And remember, this is long before God had made his covenant with David. Ultimately, what David is saying is, you're my only option. And I'm trusting in the goodness of your heart towards me. Psalm 16 takes that further. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. In other words, you hold my life in your hands. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. David here can see past the troubles and the tribulations and the difficulties. And when he takes in the big picture of his life, he takes the whole scope of it, he knows that God has a lasting and beautiful and good inheritance waiting for him. And that is true for us as well. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, those of us who have fled to him for salvation, have fled to his goodness for forgiveness of sins, who have taken refuge in him, also have a beautiful inheritance. It's in the nature, what David's trying to inform us, it's in the nature and character of God that David is calling our attention to. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness and for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Uh, Later in this series, uh, we'll look at uh, God's steadfast love and his faithfulness. Uh, but, but notice here, David's assessment is that God is good and upright. In other words, he, God, is of excellent moral character. In, he is the most balanced, sane, reasonable personality in the universe. We look into this idea when we examine, well, more when we will examine the attribute of holiness. But David's conclusion is that God can be trusted that he will come through for him. Psalm 27 says this, I believe that I shall look upon, and what will he look upon? He will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Notice that David gives strong encouragement to hang in there and not give up. And there's that term again, right? Wait for the Lord. That could be condensed into one word, patience. Uh, Remember a few weeks back when I preached the message entitled Waiting Patiently? Well, here it is again. And the strength of the admonition comes from its double repetition in this phrase here. Look at Psalm 31. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. And this actually brings us to communion. Uh, I'd like to ask that uh, you begin to prepare the elements now and and get ready for communion that we'll share in together. And and as you're doing this, let's kind of bring this all together into one, one image, right? Actually, it's the greatest image of the goodness of God that there is. It's Jesus's death on the cross, You know, Jesus' death on the cross happened on a day that is now commemorated as, what do we know it as? Yes, that's right, Good Friday. It's actually one of the most horrific days and events in the history of the world. And on that despicable cross, God is messaging an eternal message. He's basically saying this, look, I know you're afraid of me and you're afraid of my power. It's intimidating. Authorities have violated. Authorities have sinned. Authorities have betrayed. I understand why you're skeptical. And when I asked you to submit, you would out of that fear. So instead, I came and I submitted to you. And now look what you've done to me. 
Look at the price tag for my submission. And yet, I am willingly doing this for your good. I will not use my power against you. I've not asked anything from you that I was not willing first to do myself. I have submitted to you. Will you look at the goodness of my heart and trust me and willingly submit to my authority? Will you trust in the goodness of my claims and the goodness of my purpose and the goodness of my heart? And Jesus used these elements to leave a lasting impression and picture for us until he returns. What's the picture of God's goodness? Well, we look at it every communion Sunday, don't we? The first picture of goodness is the picture of the bread. Jesus says that this represents his body, which was marred and beaten and, and brutalized for us. And he says, I'm going to bring goodness out of this. He said, when you do this, remember, this reflects the goodness of my heart towards you. Eat this in memory of me. And then he takes the cup, which represents the shed blood. His blood was poured out for our sins and now becomes a covering for our sins. The propitiation, the covering, becomes the ransom for our sins. Very seldom will a man die for a friend, but even for a good man, someone might die. Well, this is a flip of that phrase. In this sense, a good man, a great man, God himself, died for sinful people. That's how different God is from us. And he wants us to remember that his goodness is way past our imagination. He says, drink this in memory of me. want you to reflect on the goodness and whatever the Holy Spirit's been telling you, other scriptures I'm hoping have come to mind and your mind's just a swirl right now of being thankful and grateful to God for how good he's been. We're going to turn it over to Esther and the worship team and then I'll come back with um, our questions for the week and our prayer points. Thanks.
Thank you again, worship team, and I so deeply appreciate how you lead us uh, every week and the extra effort you guys put in, so blessings to you on that. Uh, we have some questions for this week and uh, some things that you can wrestle with, so let's uh, walk through those together. Question number one this week is, have you watched the Marvel movies? Do you know the illustrations that I'm talking about with Ultron and Thanos? Um, have you seen those? Uh, what other uh, godlike characters do you know of outside of those two? Uh, and then question number two is, what do you think of them as God figures? What's, what's your takeaway as you watched how they were portrayed and um, how does that compare with what you know Scripture says about God? Have you ever seen those two lines kind of come together? And question number three leads us right to that. Have you ever struggled with the idea that God is all good? Have, have, have you, has that been called into question? Has that temptation come your way? Number four, how do you reconcile the fact that the fact of evil in our world and the biblical claim that God is all good? Uh, what has been your thinking in your journey with the Lord through that? And number five, to turn it in a positive direction, how has God been good to you? Share at least one significant story or way that God has been good to you. And not, you know, if we're playing cards, right, you can deal twos, threes, or fours. Don't, let's, let's deal some queens, kings, and aces here. Let's, where has God really been good? And then number six, what's the one thing you're grateful for when it comes to God's goodness? When you think about, uh, man, that was something else. What, what would you say that is? Then let's move on to the prayer points. Uh, obviously, let's pray for Nancy and the family and friends, neighbors uh, with the loss of Nels. Uh, he's had a tremendous impact. Again, we will get the information for his service to you. Number two, let's continue to pray for the marginalized in this COVID-19 outbreak. I'm thinking single moms, single income people, single income families, those in abusive situations right now and the fear they must be living in, uh, small business owners. I'm thinking of our friends over at Elevated Sports and uh, the other people in our, our setup right here, let alone the town center and then outside of that. So let's uh, continue to pray for that. Let's continue to pray for our frontline responders during this outbreak. Again, the firefighters, the policemen, the nurses, uh, people on all sorts of levels who are uh, the frontline responders. Let's continue to lift them up in prayer. And then, number four, let's continue to call out to God for mercy. And then number five, let's continue to pray that people will turn to Jesus, that his goodness will attract them during this crisis, and that they will find a relationship with him, which, if that was what they were to come away with, would be the absolute win in this whole thing. So there's your questions and your prayer points. Have fun wrestling with that as a family, and we'll see you next week. Oh, come behold the works of God, the nations at his feet. He breaks the bow and bends a spear and tells the wars to see. Oh, mighty one of Israel, you are on our side. We walk by faith in God who burns the chariots with fire. Lord of hosts, you're
his way the mountains move into the sea the nations rage i know my god is in control the oceans roar you are the lord of all Oh.